0: Oborn and Heller on Cricket, brought to you by the Chiswick Calendar. Hello from me, Richard Heller, in south-east London, which is bathed in the glare of a white sunshine. Apologies from Peter Oborn, who's uh, absent completing a book of international importance, we're very grateful to have our distinguished colleague, Roger Alton, with us, former editor of The Independent and The Observer, and presently sports columnist of The Spectator. Roger, thank you for joining us and uh, opening the attack from the pavilion end.
1: That's my my pleasure, and it's, it's a very hot day here in sunny south-east London where I am, and uh, you'd rather be in, um, in Ahmedabad,
0: or would you? I'd like to be bowling in Ahmedabad. I'm not sure I'd like to be batting on it. Uh, It's something we will be discussing with our very distinguished and very welcome return guest, Mihir Bose. Mihir is a great historian and analyst of uh, Indian cricket and indeed of India itself, author of over 30 books, first sports editor of the BBC. Welcome, Mihir. Thank you for joining us for a Second Innings.
2: Well, thank you, Richard and Roger, for giving me this chance. I'm uh, talking to you from Shepherd's Bush, where the sun is also streaming in, <laughs> and not quite the Indian sun, because the sun in this country, as I've discovered after a half a century of living here, can often produce um, very cold weather, whereas it's very different, I can tell you, in Ahmedabad. <laughs> but, my mother used to say, don't go out in the sun, it'll ruin your complexion, and no girl will want to marry you. So there we are. I'm hiding <laughs> from the sun.
0: <laughs> but here we thought by now we'd be discussing uh, the state of play in a test match, but the very first test match in the Narendra Modi Stadium is all over in less than half a mo.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. and It's it's an amazing thing. The Indians were expected to produce turning wickets, but they produced a turner, which, of course, we know what happened, um, Joe Root who's never been considered much of a bowler, uh, took five wickets uh, and so on. Interestingly, there's a very interesting article today uh, by Mike Atherton, who must be considered the greatest uh, cricket writer we have at the moment, who says that the ball tracking and so on has meant that the way cricketers play uh, spin using their pads is very different it actually reminds me Richard of your team erratics and your opening batsman and who we could never get out lbW and when <laughs> when we played um, uh, my Fleet Street 11 played you but I mean apart from that uh, talking of the Narendra Modi thing and as you say I, I I do write books in fact I've just written a book on Narendra Modi the Yogi of populism I was astonished that the stadium was originally named after Sardar Patel a great figure in Indian politics not much known perhaps outside India. And then on the morning of the test match, it was renamed Narendra Modi, which is astonishing. I mean, politics has always been mixed with cricket in India, but where Modi has taken it is on to a very different level. Probably has had a chat with the groundsman as well. Who knows?
0: <laughs> you, you say in that book, Mihir, um, that Modi is the precursor of Donald Trump and Boris Johnson. Now, I think that's a cruel thing to say about any politician, but what's your, what's your reasoning behind that?
2: Well my reasoning is that what Narendra Modi has done is convinced a lot of people that they have lost their country, and a lot of Hindus. And uh, I recall, back in 1981, I'd gone to cover England's tour of India for LBC, and i had seen a graffiti saying, Mrs. Gandhi saved the Hindus. And I thought, what does this mean, you know? Mrs. Gandhi was then the Prime Minister. But this is what is, the, that cry of save the Hindus has been taken over by Narendra Modi, and he's convinced enough people, his party, the BJP, Bharatriya Janata Party, and, and that has helped him win power, on, and just as Trump... And Trump came a few years after Modi. Trump had his slogan, build the wall. Modi had his slogan, build the mandir. Mandir means temple. This is the temple that the Hindus allege that the Muslims had destroyed back in the, in, in the days of the Mughal Empire and so on. And, and of course, he has built the temple and he's been riding these two cycle, uh, cycles, if you like, the business cycle, promising people prosperity, or as he says, "Acha, then good days are coming. And, and the other one is, of course, the Hindu cycle. Uh, which he rides very cleverly, and, and we can see it in India, where the secular India that I grew up in is is being really dismantled.
1: Was Modi ever a cricketer at all, Mahir? Did he play cricket? Does he like cricket? Indian politicians exploit cricket a lot. Did uh, Modi?
2: Modi never played cricket to any extent. Indian politicians, uh, as such, haven't been much involved. Unlike Pakistani politicians, Nawaz Sharif was quite a good good batsman. I think he once uh, played in a match with John Major, who I think was a very good cricketer before his injury. But um, generally speaking, Indians have been distrustful of good cricketers turning politicians. Pathodi, one of their greatest and much loved cricketers, um, stood for election once, and and his rival said, "Well, if you if you vote for Pathodi, what?" Will you get a ticket to a match? But if if you vote for me, I'll bring you electricity. So the so the politician won. And whether he brought electricity or not, I don't know. But anyway, that yeah. that was more persuasive. But Modi has understood the power of cricket, how powerful it is, the power of sport. Yes. And uh, as you would know, politicians like Hitler and Mussolini. and I'm not comparing Modi with Hitler and Mussolini, and, but you know, they always understood the power of sport. 36 olympics for hitler mussolini's the, the the sponsorships of the world cups and so on and modi has understood that and he always tweets whenever there's cricket on he's got about 66 million followers he tweets about cricket and and you know he sees a victory particularly as as a sign that you know this is this is the success of india the new india that he's building you know this is his phrase
1: Will it, stay, will it be called the Narendra Modi Stadium forever or is it going to be called something else soon? Well, I mean, you know, if you had the Theresa May Oval, you, <laughs> might, you might think that's a bit of a rum do in 10 years time or something. I mean, I mean will it stay?
2: Well, it might stay. Actually, funnily enough, the first great stadium in India, where I saw a lot of my cricket as a boy, was named after Lord Brabant, who had given the ground when he was governor of Bombay under British rule. That's still called the Braybon Stadium. And then, and this name, of course, uh, always causes a lot of amusement among British uh, listeners and journalists. There's a, the stadium where Richard has, has played cricket with me in my Fleet Street Eleven touring days, and um, the Wankhede Stadium, because Wankhede was the finance minister of the state of Maharashtra and he financed it so it might stay but one would have to depend I think, I think if, if a rival to Modi comes to power that Narendra Modi stadium may be renamed <laughs> was,
0: there any, was there any sort of objection from current or former players to naming a stadium after him?
2: No, not at all. And in fact, it was very interesting. During the commentary, the commentators all kept referring endlessly to the Narendra Modi Stadium. When I first heard it, and I saw the little title on Channel 4, I was almost prompted to ring Channel 4 and said, you've got the name wrong. It's the Sardar Patel Stadium. And then I found the commentators endlessly talking of the Narendra Modi Stadium. And I think, I think, no, none of them, none of them raised any objections. None of them said, this is extraordinary. The commentator's I'm afraid, uh, are often very, very reluctant to upset the Board of Control for Cricket in India. And, and of course, uh, Modi's uh, lieutenants are in charge of, not the Board of Control for Cricket in India, but in, in charge of the Gujarat Cricket Association, which was running the test match. So all that means that um, uh, it all passed away without any scrutiny.
1: How cross do you think the Gujarati Cricket Association would be about the test match ending in a you know amount of time it takes to, Boiler kettle, so to speak.
2: I don't think so. Well, one of the things that has changed in Indian cricket since I was a kid all those years ago is that... Test matches don't attract big crowds. What yeah. attracts big crowds is IPL has been a huge success. One-day matches and attract huge success. In, in my days, the Indians should get a test match because that was, test cricket was the only thing, and India had no television. Television mm. came very late to India. You had to buy what was called a season ticket. That means you had to buy all five days of mm. a test match. And mm. I remember the 76-77 Tony Gregg tour. When yeah. the fifth day of the Calcutta test, I think England needed about two wickets to win by an innings or something like that anyway it, it was a formality and yet the cr- the ground was packed and greg couldn't understand it and the explanation was you buy a ticket for five days and it's distributed among your family members and friends so on uh, the fifth day there was one chap who was who was <laughs> entitled to go so he still went <laughs> even if the, even if the play was for for half an hour so yeah. but that doesn't happen now now i think in most test matches of course the pandemic means the stadium was only a, a, a quarter full and so on but I- most test matches you can actually walk walk in and buy a ticket. So in in that sense, they wouldn't have. I mean, and also most of their income comes from sponsorship and television. So so crowds in that sense matters much less.
1: In your admirable book, uh, Mihir, when you have all the test scorecards of India's games, a huge number are, say, match drawn after, after five days of full play and countless overs, you know, match drawn, match drawn. So there is a sort of change in seeing quick result like that.
2: A- absolutely. And and in those days, the wickets were, you know, very good and true. There wasn't much um, pace. There wasn't a great deal of spin. And, of course, the Indians uh, used to bat very, very slowly. In fact, when mm. they came here in 59 and lost five tests, the Indians were called the dull dogs of cricket, which which upset the Indians because dogs is a very terrible abuse to mm. hurl in India. And, you know, <laughs> the Indians thought this was the English having another go at them. Yeah, <laughs> mm.
1: Shall we talk about the test mic for a second? Um, I I thought Atherton's piece about DRS is very, very interesting this morning. I mean, you've got Atherton's analysing DRS and then you've got Vaughan being rather rather sort of surly about the pitch. I thought Atherton's was much more interesting, didn't you?
2: I I thought Roger uh, Atherton as I know he I admire him as a cricket writer. Uh, I thought he he made a very good point, and the thing is that the point he makes is with ball tracking and DRS, umpires are likely to give many more LBWs than they used to in the old days. So people don't play with bat and pad together, which they would have done before, yeah. and use the pad. I mean, one goes through the history of of cricket, and you know. Test series when Cowdery defied the West Indies in 57 and 58, that period, using his pads and so on. And of course, umpires generally, I think we all were brought up in the idea that if you thrust your front pad sufficiently forward, you would not be given out LBW because the umpire couldn't judge whether having hit the pad, the ball would actually hit the wickets.
1: But now that's not the case with DRS. Yes, it is very, very interesting. And so how do, wh- what's the solution, do you think? How do, how do you get around that? Batsmen, batsmen have to bat better
2: batsmen have to bat better but also I think uh, I think pitches have to be have to be good I mean you go you know ideally you want you want a pitch a five day test match where the first day's pitch okay allows a bit of pace and movement and the second and third day classically up are, are days when if you if you if you are batting you cash in and on the fourth day it, it turns a bit more in India of course wickets do turn a lot more but even mm. then there are batting techniques so many batsmen to be out clean bowled. you don't expect in our class of cricket i don't know about your class roger but (laughs) in the class i played to be clean bold was quite common but but for test test cricketers of the highest caliber to be clean bold is a very rare thing i mean it's something that you mark as an asterisk and say you know he was clean bold but so many of them were Mm -hmm. i mean like best dismissal you know and 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 things like that i mean okay to a fast bowler you suddenly get beaten by pace and a bold but to a spinner to be clean bold is is very very rare
1: and to take three wickets, basically, a one overturned, and the first three balls of an innings, as Patel did. Yeah,
0: yeah I you know, watched all, a lot of dismissals in the last test, and I saw, I don't want to be too critical of the batsman, but I saw things that looked absolutely wrong You know, from the way I was coached at batting. And is this a, something that uh, DRS has imposed? They're not getting close to the ball, they're playing from the crease, they're leaving a big gap between bat and pad, And and they're being bowled by, not by extravagant spin, on the contrary, they're being bowled by the arm ball, which is a, you know, sort of, should be a stock weapon that they've faced many, many times. Should they all be batting better? Should they be um, adjusting to these conditions? Should they have met them before?
2: (laughs) I think they should be, and I think maybe this is one of the consequences of the amount of one-day cricket that is played. I'm not a critic of one-day cricket. I I think one-day cricket hasn't done harm in the sense that many people think. I think certainly T20 has improved the fielding. You you look at the way people feel. Also, the batting. When I was young, if if you won the toss in a test match and at the end of the first day had scored 250 for two, that would be considered a great day's play. Today it would be considered totally unacceptable. People would say, what a terrible day's play. But I think what it has done is um, batsmen don't actually play, if you like, um, the mentality of saying, right, we are here to play at least a day, you know, we, we've sort of, you know, pitched our tent and we won't move, and and it's it's interesting, some of the dismissals, for instance, Coley, who played quite well, um, he, he misjudged the, the length and tried to cut a ball from uh, Leach and, and and played on, and uh, Ajinkya Rahane, who's also quite a good player of spin, also misjudged, there were misjudgments in there, but the English batsmen seem to have got into a, a complete, a um, um, Fog of uncertainty as to how to play, and 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 they didn't use their feet. I remember years ago Vijay Merchant, the great Indian cricketer who has the second highest um, first class average in, in cricket, second second to Bradman. And I remember talking to him about spin bowlers, and he said, "Well, you know, in England because of the light, they 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 don't watch the ball from the hand that much." They Take it from they read it from the pitch, you know. Whereas in India, they watch the ball from the hand. So you, the moment the ball is delivered from the hand, they they are trying to guess how how the ball is spinning, and that is one reason why the Indians Indians generally subcontinental both Indians and Pakistanis and Sri Lankans play spin that much better. I mean, conditions are different. But uh, you're quite right, Richard, to highlight the fact that somehow I don't know what the batting coaches are doing or or how they are coaching them, but somehow they they are. Playing shots, which certainly you, Richard, was such a such a fine defender of the ball, shall we say? Perhaps not an attacker, but a fine defender of the ball could play could defend your wicket for hours. Would would never countenance. Well,
1: Mahi, can I ask you a little bit about the um, religious setup of this team, which is entirely Hindu, isn't it? And um, of of diff- See, I think the IPL has allowed different backgrounds of people to come in. I mean, uh, you know, Ishant, for example that uh, the quick bowler whose father was a rickshaw driver who didn't play in this last test.
2: Yeah, but um, actu- actually, uh, Shami is a Muslim. There are two Muslims in the squad, Shami they? and Shiraj. Shiraj played yeah, in Shiraz, the previous yeah. test. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the not that many Muslims. I mean, um, h- historically, of course, India's had great Muslim cricketers. Tiger and Navar Pathori Jr., um, was one of the, the best loved of Indian cricketers. He was, a, he was a Muslim. He actually married a Hindu girl who became Muslim and was, was one of of the great uh, marriages of India, um, and but uh, I mean there has been certainly not that many Muslim cricketers. There is, of course, I I wouldn't consider the fact that there aren't that many Muslim cricketers any any sense of prejudice, I think what has happened in India, Parsi cricketers have declined, but then the Parsi community has declined, you know, in in terms of numbers, and many of the Parsis have migrated, quite a few Parsis in Australia now, Canada, and and other parts of the world, but what has happened in India, and this is the big change, is that the regional towns, what they call in India, moffisil towns, I think this is a term that that came about during British rule, um, which really meant... um, one horse towns, you know, they are producing cricketers. When I was young, the, a, a town like Rachi, which has produced Mahendra Singh Dhoni, used to be known as the, as the asylum place. You, you, the Indian word you, for, uh, for mad people is Pagla, Pagla Ghar, which means madhouse. And if you said you were going to Rachi, they would say, well, What's wrong with you? Are you going to the Paglagar? Are you going to the madhouse? But Rachi has now become a, a very important city. It has the best airport in the country,
0: and really? Mahendra
2: Singh Dhoni has emerged from it. And a lot of cricketers are emerging from little places. I mean, yeah. Mumbai, Bombay, where I grew up, used to be the center of Indian cricket. Nobody ever yeah. beat Bombay in cricket. And yeah. now Bombay is no longer the dominant force. I mean, in yeah. fact, in that team, there are only two cricketers from Bombay, Rohit Sharma and, and, and Ajinkya Rahane. So, so in that sense, India has become much more diverse, um, not necessarily in the religious sense, um, but in, in the sense of where people are coming from. And, and that is reflected in the Indian team.
1: Is that the IPL? I mean, a lot of that must be the
2: IPL, isn't it? It's the IPL, and it it is also the way economic development has gone, and that is where Modi has taken advantage of it, because Modi is against what he calls the Lutyens elite, you know. These are people Mm -hmm. who were educated in English-speaking schools. If you like uh, people like me, you know, I went to a Jesuit school in Bombay, as did Sunil uh, Gavaskar, and people like that. To him... He represents the non-English-speaking majority who don't speak English very well, yeah. who, who used to be made fun of. And I remember growing up, we used to make fun of Indians who didn't speak English well, and so on and so forth. We thought we spoke English very well till I came to this country. I realised we didn't speak English at all. But you know, uh, the the point is, and 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 this is this is one of those things, and this is again reflected in the in in the cricket and and in society in general that this is considered the foreign elite, people who still have the colonial hangover and things like that, you know, and and yeah. this is part of a wider change that is going on in India. Yeah, well, that's, got, that's
0: got echoes of Donald Trump, going back to what you said earlier, I mean, Donald Trump made a lot of his appeal to Americans who felt, you know, felt they were the victims of cultural prejudice, yeah. came from small towns, were looked down on by, by, I mean, he raged against the, um, the liberal elite, and, um, and he was successful in at least one election.
2: And and, he's, um, and Modi, if I may add, is building new buildings in Delhi. Uh, uh, new Delhi is, of course, um, a legacy from the British. lutyens um, built New Delhi. Uh, and Modi is planning to build new buildings to replace all that, to reflect what he calls the New India. And though Modi speaks English, it's very interesting. When he goes abroad, Modi always speaks in Hindi. Now, this is something Indian prime ministers that I grew up under, like Nehru, who was, of course, who went to Harrow and Cambridge, would never have done Nehru, the moment he left India, would discard his Nehru Indian jacket and wear a suit. Um, Modi in, uh, goes the other way, you know, in, in that sense. He wants to emphasize, this is this is my India, I'm going to wear... And I don't know if you noticed, the, the commentator, Murali Karthik, the former cricketer, who made the presentation, now he was wearing a jacket, which is very similar to the sort of jacket Modi wears, <laughs> and it's now called the Modi jacket. You know, in the old days, a cricketer would have worn a suit on television. The vision, but now not so, you see. Or a Nehru jacket, or
0: possibly a Nehru jacket. Yeah, but the Nehru, no,
2: Modi has re- appropriated the Nehru jacket and called yes, it the Modi yeah. jacket. So it's now the Modi
0: jacket. That's interesting May here I mean, I'd like to go back to the way in which, I mean, is Modi really recruiting cricketers into this kind of vision of his India and are cricketers colluding with it? I noticed a lot of cricketers seem to take the Modi line over the recent farmers' protests. They were tweeted. More or less in support of the government line and are there any cricketers opposing him present or former
2: no, I'm not sure about Modi recruiting cricketers, but certainly cricketers have been very, very reluctant to come out and express their views at all critical of the government, uh, because they're worried about what would happen. For instance, one of the world's greatest cricketers, Sachin Tendulkar, who who has been made a member of the Rajya Sabha, which is the Indian upper house equivalent to the House of Lords, but there's a there's an indirect form of election. It's not uh, it's not um, peerage and so on. And um, he hardly ever says anything that is critical of anything the government is doing and the cricketers if you like keep to the right side of the government they are they are very reluctant to take uh, any position where they will be considered to be um, subject to any sort of sanctions that the government may take, you know. And, and the, government, you know if the government has powers to um, investigate um, their tax and so on and so forth. So certainly nobody has, has, has criticized. And of course Modi, what, the actions he took against the farmers who were protesting about his reforms. He presented the farmers as anti-national and therefore the cricketers were very quick to jump on the bandwagon and, and portray themselves as very national. And, and, and the nationalism that Modi is stoking is, is a fierce one in India. So you now have Indian television stations. this one particular one, which, which is really a shouting forum, where any critic of Modi is denounced as anti-national. And no cricketer wants to be told he's anti-national. Mm.
0: Indeed. Um, before we leave Ahmedabad, here's an issue that interests me. So I checked the air quality index in Ahmedabad on the first day. And it was very poor, and people were recommended not to take outdoor exercise. And I know there was a whole article about this in the last um, Wisdom Cricketer's Almanac about the threat, the air quality threat to Indian and Pakistani cities. Is that a live issue at all in Indian cricket? Is anybody um, campaigning about it at all, or is it just being ignored?
2: It's not a live issue. In fact, a couple of years ago, you may recall, a test match against Sri Lanka in Delhi was interrupted because of the air quality and Delhi in winter has tremendous fog and, and tremendous poor air quality. Uh, it's one of the worst cities in the world for that. And, and, and this is something that Indians complain about, they moan about in private, but nothing is done about it and the, and the cricket board and the cricketers have done nothing about it. And, and, and this is again, you know, sometimes a, a disheartening feature of India that when things are wrong, while privately people will moan, there will be not any action taken or any movement to to try and remedy it. And talking of Ahmedabad, by the way, uh, there was a very witty tweet made by Ravi Shastri, the Indian coach, justifying the match finishing in two days. And he said, why should I want to spend five days um, in, in a dry city? Ahmedabad is a place where <laughs> you, you can't drink. So I suppose you, you might say that's, that's that's a tweet that is has, has a slight trace of anti-Modi anti- uh, twinge about it. But, you know, it's, it's meant to be a very joke. Very funny.
1: Very funny
2: <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yes. Um, because I Gujarat, of course, used to be uh, the place where Gandhi came from. And the one thing Gandhi said was, you know, you, you, you mustn't drink. You know, uh, yeah. Sharab is the Indian word for drink. Sharab is haram, you know, drinking yeah. is bad for you.
1: Presumably you could, could get a beer if you wanted in Ahmedabad, you could get one, couldn't
2: you? Yeah, you could. I mean, in, when I was growing up, India was under prohibition and you had to get yeah. a permit. And my father got a permit because his doctor said this man, for medicinal reasons, needs two pegs of whiskey every night. So, <laughs> so he, that's the basis on which he got a permit. So, At, at our home, whiskey was always there. Yeah. <laughs> As
0: you know, they have a very similar system in Pakistan.
2: Um, <laughs> I mean, I've seen more whiskey drunk in Pakistani homes when yes. I've been there than anywhere else in the world. And the best whiskey in the world,
0: you
1: know. Uh, uh, when I was there with, with um, uh, Richard and Peter, there have more whiskey drunk at
0: Pakistan parties than I've <laughs> ever seen anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's extraordinary. Well, they get them either, diplomatic, they get it either diplomatically or they have a system of... As Mia was describing, you can register as (laughs) alcohol-dependent. And the the other
2: thing about whiskey is that, but in India and Pakistan, you have to serve the best whiskey, you know, Johnny Walker and so on. If you serve cheap whiskey, then you're marked down. They won't come to your parties again.
0: Yeah, 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 very, very. I'd uh, I'd like to have the Johnny Walker Black Label franchise out there, or or actually Famous Grouse, I noticed, in Pakistan. That was uh, very popular out there. I think we should move on to the great start of Aksar Patel.
1: I mean, Aksar Patel, who's um, sort of basically reminds you of, you know, your one's pal who's... um, a uh, sort of lo- uh, lo- uh, trainee solicitor and who turns his arm over for Epsom seconds uh, <laughs> every Saturday, but is actually with his sort of shades and his little bit of bling, but is actually and looking slightly geeky, but is an incredible player. How on earth has all that happen? I mean, he's 27. He looks at about 21, but he's 27, so has had a long apprenticeship for Gujarat. Um, and so on. Can you say something about him Mihir?
2: Well, Aksar wouldn't have found a place in, in the test side. I mean he's been around, as you say, a long time toiling away in the Ranji Trophy, which is not watched by anybody. If you think county cricket is watched by two old men and a dog uh, in, 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 the, in the in the Ranji Trophy, there isn't even a dog. I once went to a Ranji Trophy match in, in Kanpur, which is the test, series, test place where India first beat Australia and I went with my wife and uh, we just walked in. But Aksar Patel has been playing on the, on those grounds, but the thing about Aksar Patel, he got in because Ravi Jadeja was injured. If he if yeah. Ravi Jadeja hadn't been injured in Australia, Aksar Patel yeah. wouldn't have been playing. And 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 he's shown what he can do. But secondly, in the in the way Indians classically see left arm spin, he is not. The two great Indian left arm spinners were Vinu Mankard and Vishan Singh Bedi Mankad was a wonderful all rounder, you know, one of wisdom cricketers of the year and so on, one of the one of the great all rounders of the game, and Bishan Singh Bade, who used to believe that, you know, um, I float the ball if the batsman wants to hit me for six, that's it, but I'll still get him out. I remember when Anil Kumle made his first test matches in England, and Anil Kumle, the captain, had a sweeper for Anil Kumle on the, on the cover side, and Pishan Bedi, though he was the manager, was so critical. He said, you can't have a sweeper, you're a you are a spinner. Of course he wants to hit, hit, but you know, I'm going to get you out. But Aksar Patel is not like that. He's a sort of modern, if you like, one-day cricket-influenced um, spinner. Bose at at a fair pace at the left arm spin as as Jadeja did and of course he has profited uh, from either wickets and i must say i in that sense i agree with kohli uh, uh, bad batting from from england to get so many so many batsmen out bowled is, is quite remarkable he's clearly decided and, uh, yeah. like brian statham um, they miss and i hit
0: yeah, yeah you're mentioning that um, aksar patel is a certain kind of um left-arm spinner not in the accurate and quickish um, not in the mold of bishan Beatty. Axel patel has had about um, 90 matches in the indian premier league since um, for two teams since um, 2014 you know has that been really his training ground
2: oh yes the ipl is both a show window and a training ground clearly and producing bowlers of a particular kind a left-arm spinner who doesn't f- float the ball, give it that much air, is much quicker through the air, will be difficult to score off, particularly towards the uh, end of the innings. And of course, if you notice, Aghzal Patel's fielding is also good, so IPL uh, has a lot of stress on that. And his his batting is not bad. I mean, you know, in a sense, IPL has been inclined, generally speaking, to try and produce a more rounded cricketer. I mean, uh, Jasper Bumra is another cricketer who who has come through one day cricket and IPL. I mean, for instance, this series was the first time He's played a test match at home, and um, the fact that India now is producing more quick bowlers than it has ever done since the since the start of in India's test cricket in the 30s, when it had some very good quick bowlers, is also a reflection of the of the need for IPL. IPL is both a, a great money spinner, uh, a great show window, um, a great occasion for crowds to gather. You know, one of their highlights of their of their lives, part of the entertainment industry in India. But also in cricketing terms, it it is a great, great shaper of of the modern type of cricketer that is emerging.
1: Yeah, and and it's a superb spectacle and it's a wonderful thing to watch. But it's making great cricketers. Can I ask you one tiny thing, Mihir, about Kohli, who is obviously this dominant figure in in Indian cricket? I mean, what's your view of him? He's obviously a marvellous batsman, dynamic
2: leader. Does he sometimes go over the top? well kohli is allowed to go over the top i mean kohli has f- created such an aura and mm. he is exercising such influence i mean Im- i mean just let's look back india have just come back from a tour of australia where India won in Australia only for the second time ever, and Kohli from from even before the tour began, it was announced that after the first test, Kohli would leave the tour. This is the captain of India, He'd leave the tour and come home to be with his um, with his wife for their um, firstborn child. I mean, in in, in a previous I, I, even before Kohli, even Mahendra Singh Dhoni who was, if you like, um, uh, b- one of the great iconic figures um, of Indian cricket. Even Dhoni would not have um, been allowed to get away with it but Kohli is and I'm told Kohli has such influence this is an anecdote um, that Ravi Shastri the coach who's supposed to be if you like Kohli's boss is actually subservient to Kohli and I've I seen Kohli yeah, in India's last tour to England at the Oval Test match and if you remember India lost the first test rather narrowly were badly beaten at Lord's very badly beaten yeah. then unexpectedly won at, at Nottingham came close to winning at, at Southampton you and then in the Oval uh, lost again. And yet, Coley at the press conference said, You know, we are still um, the, the best cricket team that has ever toured England. And when a journalist, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of said, this, you know, pointed out that the stats and so on didn't show it, the way Coley reacted was ferocious. And after, afterwards, some of the, this was an Indian journalist who would ask the question, afterwards, some of the other journalists told him that was a big mistake. You know, next time they won't give you accreditation to, to Watch the match. Now, I'm not saying that happened, that may have been a joke, but the fact that it was, it was made shows yeah. Coley's power. Kohli Coley, Coley has become the sort of figure, a demigod, that yeah. I, having watched Indian cricket for more, more than 60 years, have not seen.
1: You haven't seen it before, even in the sort of aristocratic days. I mean, he's nothing like Kohli.
2: No, nothing like Kohli. I suppose the nearest figure would have been C.K. Naidu, India's first great test batsman and so on. But Kohli, I think, is, is, is probably a more dominant figure because in the days of C.K. Naidu, there was hardly any radio, no television. Yeah. Cricket was limited in that sense to the, the, to the major cities and so on. I mean, people, people misunderstand when they say cricket was always popular in India. Actually, cricket was popular. But in, in, in my youth, football was the more popular game. Football is played extensively in India. Indian football standard is very poor, because yeah. Indian actually played in bare feet, and they yeah. didn't play 90 minutes and all sorts of things like that. But anyway, so Indian football wasn't very strong, but Indian cricket now is so extensive, and it's such a big thing. And, and you know, um, women watch it. IPL is something that is watched by the entire family and things like that. So Kohli is, is a sort of figure. And, and despite the fact that in Australia, he, he presided over a test match where India were bowled out for 36, flew home. His deputy engineered the victory, but Kohli comes back immediately and and, and takes over. And despite losing the first test, um, there's no question of um, Kohli being the supreme figure.
1: I thought the Indian team's behaviour in Australia was marvellous. Actually, And you know, on the the final session of day five in Brisbane, when they when they won with Pant using those sort of IPL techniques to win, was so thrilling and such a good win.
2: But you see, had Kohli been there, the Indians would have been would have behaved in a much more uh, you know um, in a triumphant manner. Yes, uh, Ajinkya Rahane, their captain, is a, is a, is, a, is a very careful. He yes. he doesn't sort of show off, and I I was watching his face as India moved closer to victory in the. Match and he said nothing. Whereas Kohli is a man who gets the crowd going on the field. Yes. If you see, he's there yes. trying to rouse the crowd in a way. You know, he's like the he's like a conductor in a way that I I haven't seen an, another cricket captain of any country do that.
1: No, no, me neither. I thought Rahani was
0: most graceful. Yeah. Anyway, there we are. I thought, he but he's so extraordinary. Kohli, the role of Kohli is extraordinary. Farouk, Farouk engineer. He wasn't he was never captain, but Farouk engineer used to wind up crowds at home, didn't he? From behind the stumps. I
2: tell you who else used to wind up crowds? And I saw this on an Indian tour. Tony Gregg, he did that very well. What he what he used to do, and in, the, in when when he was when he was facing the popular stand, he would make gestures as if um, of, of a woman with breasts, you know, and things like that. And he and he used to get Randall to perform handstands and things like that. And 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 that really got got Bathe going. And of course, England won that series, you know, outfoxing Bathy. And 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 Tony Gregg could work the crowd up in a way that I'd. I hadn't seen anybody do before that. Yeah,
1: Mm. can can we talk about the current IPL? What, What do we think about that? The coming, the impending IPL is pretty interesting, isn't it?
2: Well, I mean, some of the cricketers have gone for fantastic sums of money who haven't done all that well. It's quite amazing. And you look at somebody like Pujara, who I remember talking to him a few years ago when I was did my book, The Nine Waves, and he really was desperate to want to play one day cricket because he didn't want to be branded as just a test player, you know, the old fashioned test player who would bat for three hours for 10 runs and things like that, and, and I'm, I'm sure he can do that. The not he didn't do it in Ahmedabad, uh, but the point is that he he went for a paltry sum compared to, to people like some of the other cricketers who went for colossal sums. And and of course, what they look at in IPL is also the entertainment value. You know yeah. what, what what the number of sixes I, IPL they keep recording the number of sixes. And yeah. once the IPL starts, the amount of interest that is taken in IPL and all the but by, by all the Indian television stations. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it's quite interesting. I, I'm, when the IPL, as you know, last year because of COVID was held in Dubai, and I would get every, every test match, every, every IPL match, get a call from a television station to appear because they'd have a panel discussing the innings in great detail yeah. the way they don't do it for test matches because that yeah. shows the extent and the appeal of IPL.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. So, so, who who are you looking forward to? Who do you support um, here?
2: Well, I come from Mumbai, so I suppose I have an instinctive uh, uh, attachment to, to the Mumbai cricket team, the Mumbai Indians. Of course, it's financed by one of India's uh, uh, richest businessmen, the the Ambani's and uh, Tendulkar and others. I mean, Rohit Sharma plays for it and so on. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, the Chennai Super Kings have been very good and and the Rajasthan Royals. I remember the first time. I've idea. got my
1: Rajasthan Royals shirt on, in oh, fact. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you're uh, obviously earning the $1 million they've paid you for to wear the shirt Roger <laughs> um, but um, uh, and Rajasthan Royal the first year of IPL you know with the way Shane Warne made cricketers who hadn't hadn't really done much to to, to make them into into winners I think the IPL is, is a lot of people like you know writers like Simon Heffer and so on uh, look down on IPL with a sort of certain disdain I, yeah. I don't I don't do that I think the IPL has not been bad for cricket it has been good for cricket I'm not saying one day cricket should take over test matches should always remain the most important um, thing in cricket uh, and there's nothing like test matches but nevertheless IPL has 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 certainly transformed Indian cricket
1: and fielding
2: and feeling and, and of course, it has, it has trans- shifted the balance of power. I mean, when we were young, the, the county championship was the finishing school. Everybody from the world, particularly West Indian and Pakistani cricketers, would come and play in the county championship. Mm-hmm. Now English cricketers are allowed to miss test matches in England to go and play IPL because of the amount of money they can make.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, you often hear, because it's a better training ground, because the, you know, the quality of the cricket that they're forced to play will be better.
2: And it's a very international ground. I mean, you know, the, the players are international, the coaches come from all over the world. It it really is sort of, you know, it's cricket's equivalent of the Champions League, but much more international yes. uh, than, than even the Champions League is. Yep.
1: And a joy to watch. And it's, and then... And it's and I think it's focused attention on Test cricket because people have to play Test cricket slightly differently yeah. in in T Twenty. Every ball counts. It's not every session, every out, every ball, and so it gives you people much more to think about. I think it's had a really strongly beneficial effect. Not most notably, obviously, on on, on fielding and ability to pummel the ball, like Josh Butler and so on and
2: so yeah. forth. But, but uh, I mean, it's interesting. Had Josh Butler been playing in the Test, what would have happened? Because Josh Butler, uh, yeah. b- within a f- within half an hour, can change can change can change a match. But it's very interesting you're talking about batting because in test cricket I remember talking to Sunil Gavaskar about it in one of his and how he played his long innings. And he said, What you do, Mihir, is you, you decide, you break up the time into, into slots, and you say, Right, I'll play for 15 minutes, then the next 15 minutes. And I think to a certain extent, one day cricket has removed that, that ability of batsmen to think in quarter time, if you like, Okay, I'll survive for 15 minutes, then let's see another half an hour. They 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 can't do that because there it becomes a question of overs and and yeah. and how many overs are left.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of reminds me of the very early days of the John Player League in England, forty overs each way, and there was I don't know which match it was, but somebody deliberately played out eight maiden overs. From <laughs> <laughs> a dangerous bowler, and in a forty over match, and he said, "I've just see." I was just seeing him off. <laughs> um, so that's certainly not happening anymore. You yeah, know, what can you tell us? But the finances of the IPO and are all are all these French? You know, you see big sums of money to players um, uh, and, and other expenses being thrown around. Are all these franchises actually making money?
2: Um, Some of them are, not all of them, but it's interesting. In the first couple of years, it looked like the franchises wouldn't be making money, but they are now starting to make money. And of course, the IPL has become a great money earner for the uh, Board of Control for Cricket in India. And it's very interesting. When the IPL was started, and I, and I uh, spoke a lot to Lalith Modi, the man who, who started the IPL, what he said was, listen, in India, domestic cricket, domestic sport of any kind doesn't work. What the Indians come out is to watch India play and what he fashioned was a domestic tournament that makes money and this is very interesting, cricket is one of these odd sports where domestic tournaments don't make money, I mean the county championship survives of the income from the test, for instance if, in, in football, if, if England stopped playing internationals it would have no effect on the Premier League, in fact the Premier League might welcome it, you know and it, it, the FA's income does not finance the Premier League or yeah. the English Football League it's the other way around, whereas in cricket mm right. The international game finances uh, the domestic one. In India, that was the case. And Indians only went to see play play India. India playing, you know, that, that was what they wanted to see. But IPL has changed that. Indians are now coming to watch local teams. And after they've been going from, since 2008, the, the local franchises, which were all sort of artificially created, did not reflect the Ranji Trophy state teams, they have acquired a, 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 a bit of, um, if you like... I, the uh, identity with the spectators, you know, that I'm a supporter of Mumbai Indians and the Rajasthan Royals. There's been a bit of that slow process, but many of them are making money, which, which seemed very surprising after the first couple of years.
1: And the 100, obviously, is trying to copy that model. Yeah. Um, and it'd be interesting to see. I'm personally a great fan of the 100, but um, we'll have to wait and see.
2: Oh, Simon Heffer wouldn't like you, Roger. I know, I know. A
0: lot of, lot of listeners aren't going to like that, but uh, we, we, it takes all sorts. We represent, we represent all points of view. <laughs> um, one name I noticed in the recent auction in the IPL was um, Sasin Tenjoka's son, Arjun, who was sold for a small sum to Mumbai Indians. Um, he's a pace bowler, uh, which is something different from the skills his father specialised in. I notice he gets a rather rough time in social media. There have been quite a lot of dynasties in Indian cricket, haven't there, here? And I uh, think of Amanath, Ashok, Mankad, Sanjay Mandraka. Do the heirs to great dynasties, do they get a hard time in Indian cricket from, uh, from fans? Are, they ex- do they, are expectations on them higher? Um, or do they, do they get an advantage in being part of the setup at an early age?
2: I think many of them get a hard time and many of them haven't succeeded. Uh, You may recall we we played uh, against um, Rohan Gavaskar, um, uh, Sunil Gavaskar's son, and, and the fact that he's called Rohan is because uh, Rohan Kanhai um, had toured India and made a great impression on the Indians. So a lot of Indians called their, a lot of Indians interested in cricket called their sons Rohan. And um, I seem to remember Rohan, Rohan Kanhai got me out LBW, but you know that was that was a wrong DRS decision. No. But um, um, uh, uh, but you know he he didn't do very much. And 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 I remember in 1971 that was the tour when um, uh, India first beat England um, in a test match and a test series. Ashok Mankat played in that series, didn't do very well. And the Indian crowds here watching it um, would often shout out, you know, to uh, Wadika was the captain, to to say, Wadika, how much money has Mankat paid you for for him to play in this test match? And he, of course, was the son of the great Vinu Mankat. And um, the Amanat brothers are an exception. You know, Jimmy Amarnath did well, though none of them have matched their, uh, their their father, none of them was as good as Lala Amanat or anything like that. So in a way, and while they can get the first step in, eventually to make it as, as a great cricketer, or even a very good cricketer, has been difficult. And Sanjay Manjareka, son of Vijay Manjareka, one of India's finest batsmen, found it very, very difficult, not helped, of course, by his father himself being a very difficult man. And while they get a bit of, if you like, assistance from fellow cricketers who are admired the, 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 the father and so on. And it, it it doesn't follow, unlike in Indian politics, where, you know, the, the, the husband or the father makes sure that the son or the daughter succeeds him in politics and that the Nehru family is the most remarkable of that. That hasn't proved the case in cricket.
1: Mm-hmm. We had dynasties in this country, of course, too, butchers, Stuarts. Um, so I mean, dynasties happen, don't they, in sport, for obvious reasons. Um, can I ask you a little question, which I was discussing this with Richard the other day, about that amazing story the other year about the guy who scored 1,009 runs in a school match, Pranav Danawadi. And what's, what happened to him? Do you know? Do you know how he's got
2: on? Well, he hasn't um, done all that well. There have been cricketers like that. Yeah. Not not 1,000, but making a lot of runs. Schools cricket is very important. In fact, Sachin Tendulkar made his mark um, with, um, with uh, Vinod Kamli, uh, putting up a huge score against my old team. Um, old school, um, uh, yeah. my my old school, San Xavier's, which was also Gavaskar's school, and um, one of the one of the bowlers he faced was a guy called Behulae, who was a leg spinner. Um, he eventually played for um, Mumbai, and um, and the, and the two of them, Tendulkar and calmly, made so many runs that the that the St Xavier's boys were reduced to tears. <laughs> so, but but we have, I mean, Tendulkar was an exception, an exceptional cricketer, but many of these uh, uh, child prodigies don't go on to make. Make, make, a, uh, uh, make a real name for themselves. And sometimes they come in, um, probably play um, in the state side and so on um, but certainly he hasn't shown uh, that he's going to become another Tendulkar or anything like that. I mean one must understand that while schools cricket is very important, very competitive, some of the matches the, there's a mismatch uh, of of, um, of balance in the school team. So one school team is probably not that good and, it, and is ripe to be perhaps a thousand and runs um, is difficult and also they are playing um, and um uh uh, both of you have been to the subcontinent and, and they're playing on what is called a Maidan, which is, which is which they describe as an English park, it's nothing remotely like an English park, but about 10 matches are playing, you know. And and uh, and one team's square leg is an, another another team's um uh, cover point, and 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 that sort of you know point or something like that. So, in in, in that situation, uh, Roger, I'm sure if you had been a school cricketer, you would not <laughs> scored a thousand, but you probably scored 300. So, you know,
1: <laughs> hard work for the scorers,
2: though, in India, eh? <laughs> Well, uh, there's a very interesting scoring story that when... Um uh, Mike Brearley went on a tour of Pakistan. The story told, and he scored a triple century. The story told is that while uh, while he was batting, um, the scorer um, had to go off. Either either he had to go to the bathroom or whatever. And he he asked a young boy to score who, who hadn't really scored before. And anyway, he he couldn't distinguish between the two Englishmen batting. So many of the runs that were scored by <laughs> Brearley's partner it was given to Brearley. This is the story told. I mean, you know, um, Dicky Ruttinger covered that series told me the story so you know it will be, well be true so a... I mean all you have to do Roger is make sure that you have a 10-year-old scoring the runs and therefore <laughs> um, you know uh, you'll get a lot of runs <laughs> or
0: or play against 10-year-olds because apparently some of the uh, the opponents of Pranav Danawadi were were 10 years old and had never played it with a hard ball before because the other the other school uh, couldn't put out their regular team not taking it away from the 1,000-run scorer, but they, the runs had to be scored. But perhaps it does explain why it doesn't kick on into um, into real cricket. On the other hand, here, as I'm sure you know, Prithvi Shaw, who opened for India just quite recently, who made it as far as test cricket, you know, it was a big success as a teenage cricketer. He made, I think, a couple of... He made a 500 in a school match. did he? Yes. yes. And, there's some other, and there's some other examples. You know, there's one chap... Who's the nephew of Wazim Jaffa, who's now involved in a controversy of his coach, being fired as a coach. Wazim Jaffa was a great, was an opening batsman. His nephew scored, twice scored over 400 at a school match. And he's playing, I think, Ranchi Trophy cricket, first class crickets.
2: A lot depends on on the coaches as well, how good they are. Tendulkar always credits his his coach. And the coaching in India can be very, very severe. I remember Gavaskar telling me that um, in in the days when Gavaskar was coming up in the 60s, the the absolute edict in Indian cricket was as a batsman, you should never lift the ball. This had been laid down by Vijay Merchant. And, um, And the coaches said, if you lift the ball ever... Then you must, with your pads, run round the ground five times, <laughs> and and Gavaskar told me he often had to do that, and that was why he he was it was absolutely bred into him never to lift the ball, always play it along the ground. Of course, with IPL and all that, it has changed, but but coaching can be very severe, and also this is part of the culture of India. The the players will never address the coach by their first name, you know, uh, Tendulkar kept referring to his coaches, sir, and, and this is a very common thing, that sort of respect is there. So that, if you like, generates a, almost an old world style. I mean, you know, and, and, and it's not... Uh, that's, unknown how you coach, for...
0: that's how you <laughs> coach your teams Mahir, is isn't it? That's how you absolutely. That's very well, good. I, he was an iron disciplinarian on, the, <laughs> on our two India tours, so, you know, it was <laughs> absolutely rigid. But I do remember seeing, think of young Indians being coached, I remember seeing bowlers being coached at the at the Cricket Club of India, on both of our the tours I made with you, Mahir, and you um, see tiny little spin bowlers, maybe ten years old, just bowling over and over again for two hours, being told to bowl in the same hit the same spot for maybe two hours on end by, by a coach. None of this stuff they have here about you know having to lie down after four <laughs> hours. You know, it's it's just they, um, they bowl and bowl and bowl, and I'm pretty sure that's a good way to learn how to bowl.
2: And and in, in Indian schools, a strict discipline me- means the teachers can still still uh, hit their pupils. Something that, of course, uh, would would cause a, a, a would lead to a criminal offence in this country.
0: Me here, you I think you've led three cricket tours of India as a touring captain. Uh, I've been on two of them. I remember always that we were pretty much always outgunned by the by the opposition. Is it always a, still a tradition in India to put out your absolutely best side, even against any visitors, even if they are relative (laughs) no-hopers.
2: Yes, uh, and 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 I asked this of my Indian friends, and they said that, you know, these teams that come from England... And we are always suspicious that they are actually much better than what they say they are. and They probably have county cricketers there, so we don't want to get beaten. So therefore, we put out our best under-16 or under-19 size. And you will remember, Richard, we, we played teams where you know they would make um, 300 and about 20 overs, whereas we were struggling to almost get into double figures. And I remember on one tour, the first one, which you didn't come on, we had a, a journalist from The Guardian who uh, said to me, we must practice. And I said, yes, we can practice as much as you like, but you you can't really uh, make up for skills. And but eventually and also he said to me, but, you know, we are playing the wrong sides. We should we should we should play uh, people who are living on the street. And I said, I don't think that would work. And then he accused me of being an upper class Indian. And so, um, <laughs> who was that? Here? Can you remember? I'm I'm trying to remember his name now. He's he's died, I think, since uh, he was he was a Guardian sports journalist. I'm trying okay. to come come back to me. It's probably yeah. in the, in, the, in the scorebook somewhere. He and and that was also the tour where we went to the to we played in in Hyderabad. Uh, Dominic Lawson came on the tour, and Dominic was then married uh, first wife, who was an actress, yeah. and um, he took five wickets, and the fifth wicket was me taking a catch, which Richard <laughs> will tell you is a very un, uh, unusual event on on a, on a cricket field, and. Um, uh, on his taking the fifth um, uh, wicket, his wife ran out and kissed him. And Hyderabad is a very sort of um, um, old-fashioned Muslim city, and you know this this caused absolute gasp. But later on, we were we were shown round the Hyderabad Club, which in the British days Indians were not allowed, but the Indians had since taken over. And um, one of the members there got very friendly and and uh, said to, "I um, so we'll I'll, I'll I'll drop you back to the hotel you're staying in." And um, he drove his scar with a bottle of whiskey in his right hand outside the window drinking whiskey as he drove, so there you are you know, that that was, no, I mean I think I think, the, I think the, the, uh, the Guardian journalist was upset that I was I was uh, hobnobbing with that sort of people, you know, that, yeah, that's not I, the I, kind of tour he wanted to be on
0: <laughs> I like the idea of playing teams from the streets that would be, that would be <laughs> we, um, we play that. I think on both of my tours, you and me here I think we, I played Against at least one Indian former Test
2: player in every side we played. Um, I, I, I think you played ag- we played against Jethan Chauhan, didn't we? Who, who I played against,
0: I've bowled against and Chauhan. I've played. I've and you completely
2: against, outfoxed him? Uh, not
0: quite. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I've got to say, I thought I was doing very well to keep him down to five runs and over. I thought he was treating me with a fair amount of respect. And then I realised that when he needed to raise the scoring rate, you know, he could just take 10 or 15 off me at will. And know, that was actually more humiliating than being smashed all over the park in many ways. I just felt like a... A waiter, you know, would it be convenient? Would it be convenient <laughs> to you now to hit the ball, Mister Mister Yes. <laughs> and uh,
2: but I think we also played against Abbas Ali Beg, a very fine cricketer, scored a mm. hundred in his first test in England against England. And uh, Beg played for the team of the of the British High Commission. We we played them, and you know, we're talking about politics and um, cricket. And there was one um, on one of the tours, the second one, where Peter came, Peter Rowan, and um, Peter captained the side and uh, we played in in jaipur and before the match um, I was told that the the chief minister would come to give us uh, presents because we are, um, on cricket tours of Indian Pakistan, as both of you know, you know lots of presents are given and things like that and so on. That is that is how I got rid of my history of Indian cricket books because I gave them away as presents. Um, but the, the 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 point is that we were winning the match very easily. Nick Wood, I think, took a lot of wickets, mm-hmm. and I told Peter, please make sure that the match doesn't finish very early be, before the chief minister. Minister comes, and therefore, to, to to the great anger of Nick Wood, he was taken off the bowling attack, and somebody else put on who who was not likely to take wickets. Mm-hmm. So that you know, we were we made sure that the chief minister was there while while play was still going on.
0: Well, they, they kept fielding new batsmen. What's more, they had about seventeen or eighteen. It's like those <laughs> old, those old Victorian matches. I got rid of a lot of my first novel on um, you, uh, my first uh, Indian cricket tour with you. We presented it with our signatures to all of our hosts, and um, I think it was in Delhi, we presented it to the hosts, and the very next morning I saw um, that novel being sold on a pavement for 10 rupees, (laughs) (laughs) with all the signatures in, so that that put uh, its value into perspective. Your history of Indian cricket is called Nine Waves, you identify nine distinct phases of Indian cricket. Looking ahead, do you see any signs of a tenth wave, some new players or some new even system of Indian cricket that's going to replace the present one and represent the tenth wave?
2: I don't know if there's going to be a new system, but certainly, if you like, we are already seeing the emergence of what may be called the children of Kohli. To a certain extent, Kohli was was. much influenced by Dhoni and how he changed Indian cricket, but you can already see in, in cricketers like Gill and so on who are playing now and um, Washington Sundar and so on, that sort of Kohli influence. And in, I mean, talking about that book, I'm, I'm actually revising it slightly for an edition that will come out in this country, hopefully next year after the uh, Indian tour, the Indians are going to tour this this summer. And I think and Kohli will be there for some time. But I think um, these these cricketers are coming up who actually believe that they can win. And even in Dhoni's time, uh, there was a belief that India could win at home but not win abroad. I think this new generation of cricketers, um, there's a certain amount of hubris which worries me, but there's a certain amount of belief that they represent this new India far removed. Um, from the old colonial India, far removed from the India uh, of, of of my youth, and at a very different India. But the worry about some of them is that they don't seem to have any any sense of history. They often don't seem to know um, cricketers of of a previous generation, and so on. They they think history begins with themselves, and that that to me is a great worry.
0: How fascinating! Wonderful. yeah. But here it's um, been wonderful to talk about with you about Indian cricket, um, as always. Lots to reflect about. Still one more test match in this series. Hope it lasts a little bit longer in the um, venue we've discussed. But uh, for now, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, before I say goodbye, once again, can I repeat the invitation to listeners to nominate their Wisdom Five Cricketers of the Year? We'll collate those and present them before Wisdom is published. And just a reminder that um, you can't become a Wisdom 5 cricketer twice, so do please make new choices and don't waste a vote. Send your choices to our dedicated email, Cricket, all one word, at outlook.com. On which point it's goodbye from me, Richard Heller in a still sunny southeast London. And goodbye from me, Roger Alton, too. Thank you very much.